HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Samantha Rose. And I wanted to put the UHF, Spatula City commercial, we should in here. <laughs> I mean, spatulas. Why? I mean, why, do, do why, people why? ask you that all the time? They, they do. They do. It's really funny because I never thought I'd be the spatula girl, but... Um, <laughs> But to hear my mom tell it, this was completely inevitable. Um, uh, because apparently I've been giving her spatulas for Christmas since I was a kid. <laughs> they, fit, they fit good <laughs> in the stockings, right? Yeah, they fit They fit perfectly well. And, uh, and uh, you know, every year there'd, there'd be like a new one and it would have a metal handle or a wooden handle or I got her the Mario Batali one or whatever it was. And, um, and I completely forgot about all of that when I started to do this. And then she, and then she said, Sam, you know, you've been giving me spatulas since forever. I mean, it was only time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so let me preface. Samantha Rose, owner of GIR Get It Right. Get It Right. um, Which is a company that makes spatulas amongst other things. (laughs) So it wasn't just like this this random thing we were talking about, spatulas. But it was a start. Um, You have a background in in design, uh, product design, marketing of those products. Yeah, yeah. But spatulas, have they obviously now hearing you they've always kind of held this funny 
place in in I guess your life. I guess they've always held a funny place in my life. I I love to cook, uh, and I love cooking tools. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that I love cooking gadgets because um, one of my quibbles with gadgets is that there's so many one use gadgets out there, and I find that I have a, a drawer full of things that I think are going to be really useful. And so they have to be utilitarian, multi purpose. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, the days that you need a cherry pitter, you need a cherry yeah. pitter. But um, well, let me hear some of the other gadgets <laughs> that you hate. Just go on a tirade right now. So I mean, with the hate and love them all, you know, at the same time that you need the cherry pitter when you're when you're going to make something with cherries. You need a grapefruit knife when you're going to have grapefruit for breakfast. And I, I grew up, we had a, a grapefruit tree outside the, the front window of, uh, of my kitchen, and we would go and pick a grapefruit and cut it in half and have it for breakfast. And the grapefruit knife was like, it was such a um, such a familiar tool to me. And then, you know, you, you grow up, you move away, you have, haven't had grapefruit in 10 years, and, <laughs> or at least haven't cut one for yourself, and you, you kind of sit there wondering why you have a grapefruit knife in your drawer. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I've... I, spent thousands of hours cooking and I'm certainly not a professional chef and for that matter I'm really not a professional industrial designer either um, but my husband and I were cooking one day and I was holding a spatula with a, a wooden handle uh, and it had b- been burned in the past and I was looking at it and it warped in the dishwasher and it came apart in my hands uh, and I looked at the hole that was in the blade where the with a wooden part uh, stuck into it the wooden handle stuck into the blade and I just blurted out, uh, why don't they make these out of one piece? It seemed really obvious to me. And, and so I thought, well, they must make it out of one piece. That, that can't be the answer, that they don't exist. It's just that I don't have one. And so I went hunting for them, and I couldn't find them anywhere. I, I, mean, I kind of felt like I was going a little nuts because I couldn't figure out why it would be so difficult to make or what about it was preventing the spatula-making community from really getting this product right and making it out of one piece, which is what I envisioned would, would make it perfect. Then the whole thing could be silicone and um, it would have all of the heat resistant benefits of silicone and be very antimicrobial. And, um, and the list, at least for me goes on, although I, I'm happy to elaborate. <laughs> you know, you know what I say when I see a spasa? What do you say? Ugh. I say <laughs> ugh because you know, when you take apart the wooden handled ones from that bit blade, of, si- yeah. yeah. That black mold. Oh, it's so gross, right? And you're just like, I have to live with this. Yeah, well, no you, longer. You do you did have to live with it? But had to. No, no longer. Have. We've moved forwards, and a new spatula has been made. It's been but made. I want to go back to your your, your childhood. I mean, it was okay. inevitable for many reasons. You mm-hmm. didn't just give spatulas away as as gifts uh, during the holidays. But your dad was an entrepreneur. He was. Yeah. And your mother was a uh, not only a great cook but a designer. Um, yeah, she, well, she was, uh, I don't know if she's a designer by trade, but she certainly has, uh, an incredible and aspiring aesthetic. Um, and it was something that was, uh, really impressed upon me, uh, growing up and she really created a, a beautiful home and a very functional home. And I think a lot of that mentality, um, infiltrated into the way that I perceived products and, and incidentally, into what I wanted to put in into her stockings. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> is this spatula going to be good enough? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, being being surrounded um, by that aesthetic, being surrounded by an entrepreneurial spirit, and a, and it was a very hardworking household. Um, you know, both my parents worked very hard. My mom in making a, a beautiful home, um, and and my dad in um, making cool companies, and and. 
uh, I think all of that, you know, filtered in as well. So um, definitely, uh, definitely some seeds way back yeah. there. <laughs> and then marriage brought in this seed of invention because your did. in-laws are actually inventors. My, and hold m- yes. <laughs> how many patents? Um, I don't know if I'm allowed. Well, I think I can say this. He holds uh, over 50 patents. My father-in-law does. Um, he works at a research facility in upstate New York, um, and he is an inventor. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, what he would tell you is that he is a chemist, um, but what he really, really is is, is an inventor. Um, so he was an amazing sounding board for um, for the ideas about, you know, uh, the materials and, and how to make it, how to approach um, from a from a more scientific standpoint, um, what what we were doing with what was really such a common tool and something that I think not a lot of people had given a lot of thought to, even though they've really entered popular culture in this fascinating way with UHF and SpongeBob's. I'm, I'm surprised spatula. there actually isn't a spatula city. I, I mean, I, you know, don't bury the lead here. Yeah. <laughs> We're breaking ground yeah. next week. <laughs> you went to school. I did. Yeah. Yale. I did. Were you studying design of spatulas then? No, I, I wasn't. Um, I was studying English and, uh, and poetry. Um, and I, I, there's gotta be a way that it relates. I could, I could make up a way that it relates, but, uh, I was really, um, I, I started as a physics and astronomy major. I had every intention of, um, and you can't laugh at this, but I wanted to be an astronaut. I was like, okay, you can laugh if you I, want. I, no, I wanted to work for SETI. We're in <laughs> the same boat here. Yeah, so, so um, but then they, they um, you know, they, they shuddered. No pun intended, but they shuddered the shuttle program. Um, so, uh, and... and in the first couple of years of my experience there, I, I started gravitating toward the English department and um, and took a couple of really um, fascinating classes with incredible professors and um, and just decided I needed to make the switch. So I, I switched over to being an English major and then ended up um, getting... They don't really have... I mean, you can double major there, but what I did was um, have a concentration in writing. So it was like a whole uh, separate um, writing project that, that I undertook that was English poetry and had a lot to do with um, sort of just picking apart and figuring out what, what makes a poem tick and what makes makes a poet tick. Um, so if I were to sort of, you know, weave the thread of connection between all of it, I... Um, that that sensibility and that mentality of um, looking at something very compact and pulling it apart into its constituent uh, elements and and interpreting those elements and then pushing it all back together, which is sort of the experience of of reading a poem, close reading a poem, and of writing a poem. Um, the spatulas are my poetry for the world. <laughs> well, I'm going to make an assumption How do you like here. That, one? <laughs> that is that is that is poetic in and of itself. I'm going to I'm going to make an assumption here mm-hmm. and uh, ask whether or not you watch Mad Men. You know, uh, I yes and no, um, but but I guess the long answer or the short answer has to be no. I started watching it and had to stop it because. Um, I was speaking to my parents about it, and it reminded them so much of their, uh, I guess, fairly negative childhood experiences. <laughs> <laughs> it was like too close to home. So, um, 
I don't know if that that fulfills or breaks your assumption, but no, I, no. I, I, I mean, put, because you worked as a director for marketing for some large companies, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Coca Cola, Target, uh, nationwide clients, clients, clients but yes, clients, yeah. yeah. Um, and what did you do for those clients? So uh, at the. Um, I did that work at a company called Picture Marketing, which incidentally was one of was the company that my father was working so hard on when I was growing up. Um, and they did branded uh, social media campaigns for those companies. Um, and their their platform, which is called the Photos App platform, um, basically facilitates uh, one-to-one direct marketing connections between individuals and, and these large brands. Um, so uh, to kind of put it in a nutshell, what they do is they, they uh, at an event, will um, take a photograph of, a, of uh, an individual or of a group of people and then sort of um, build that into an individualized communication and sort of a personal marketing campaign for that person on behalf of a brand. So that's um, picture marketing and Photos app are the platform for that activity. Their apps and their cameras are. And uh, I did... Um, advertising for them and uh, was a part of building that app um, and building up the platform, communicating with those clients and turning the campaigns into what they wanted them to be and and making them personal for the clients. Yeah. So how do you make a special personal? Because now as the CEO of Sorry Robots, Mm -hmm. um, and this is very poetic too, you do strategic brand creation and product ideation. Yes. Yeah. So... One of the ways we make this spatula personal, and I, I really it is, um, it's very personal for me because it's it's my brainchild in, in a way, um, and uh, and the, I think um, to your point, what we've done with the colors and what I wanted to do with the colors was really create something that everybody could bring in and feel like they had a little part of. So whether your kitchen is is pink or, or chartreuse um there's a spatula for you and it you know it matches uh it matches your other cookware it matches your mood it can match the dish that you're cooking and that really personalized it for me um i, I mean i cook borscht with a magenta spatula <laughs> <laughs> and i do icing with the studio white spatula <laughs> yeah, yeah vanilla icing no i think everything in my kitchen is red okay yeah yeah uh, i mean just so there are red spatchers for a, a person like me. There are bacon spatchers there, for people that like cooking bacon. Exactly. But that that personal touch of the spatcher, you know, everyone does have their favorite kitchen tool or, or device, and it's theirs. And yeah. they cook everything with it. Mm-hmm. And they're very sad when it breaks or, you know, it goes missing, and they pass it on to somebody else. It, it has a legacy to it, even something as simple as a spatcher. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that same connection with your tools i i do and and um it's interesting that the very first spatula that that i got and I'll, I'll digress a tiny bit um to say that uh when i started making these i really i thought i would make 10 as gifts for my family and friends and uh and i thought well i can't really make 10 in like a mold in my kitchen i was like i bought silicone molding materials and and the, it wasn't to my quality standards <laughs> so so i thought okay well I, I should manufacture these and then they'll be really nice and i've, I've got the design i know what exactly what i want and i went to manufacture 10 of them which is will kind of uh, belie how green i was at the very beginning of this a couple of years ago and 
you can't manufacture 10 of something. You can manufacture 10,000 of something, <laughs> but you can't manufacture 10 of them. So, uh, so at that point, really, I reached this, um, you know, it was just a decision-making process of, well, is this a good enough idea to carry water? Will people respond to it? Um, and, uh, and Kickstarter was part of, of coming up with the answer to that question. Um, and uh, so, so we manufactured thousands because I because I couldn't just manufacture ten, um, but they were really you know they were just meant to be like gifts for the family, um, and they turned into this uh, you know turned into this amazing um, product and and company that you know hopefully will make or not hopefully but we are making a lot of other things. Yeah, well, so, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how you've applied intelligent design to other everyday products. All right. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. You're listening to Lonesome Now by Four Lincolns on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, back here with Samantha Rose. Good to be here. Talking about spatchers. G-I-R, get it right. Um, And 
you were saying you digressed before, but there's more of a digression. Like you want to talk more about the the origins of this company? Oh yeah. Well, so I, you know, in in sort of naming it and trying to figure out what else we would do, um, I realized that in and this goes back to what we were talking about at, at the very beginning of the conversation, which is uh, these sort of single use kitchen gadgets. As as much as I love cherry pitters and, and grapefruits. Um, I wanted to create something that was uh, that felt very familiar. So, despite the the sort of newfangledness of it and the the inventiveness of the design and the and the unibody stuff, and and we can talk about all, all that. But when you looked at it, I wanted it to look and feel like a spatula. I wanted you to be able to see it from twenty feet away on a wall and say that's a spatula, and not like, oh, what is that thing? I wonder what it does. Um, so. I think in that regard, there's something very familiar and and homey and personal about it. It doesn't feel like it's from outer space necessarily, even though it really is from outer space because it's this unibody spatula. Um, so, uh, and that that too is for me a part of getting it right um, uh, and sort of you know finding finding a form factor that is at once unique and very, very familiar. Yeah, well, I mean, that's invention versus reinvention. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing with reinvention is is taking something that's been a canon for so long and remodeling it. And, I mean, aside from the unibody, let's talk about silicon. Because, okay. you know, not Silicon Valley, sili- <laughs> silicone. Silicone, yeah. Silicone, which which my inventor father-in-law will, if, if you're talking to him and you, and you are talking about silicone and you say silicon, he'll, He'll say silicone. Reprimand, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt reprimanded, actually. I mean, very, very gently. He's a very him. gentle yeah. soul. But <laughs> but uh, I guess that's what happens when you work in a lab yeah. for, for 30 years. I mean, is what is silicone composed of? So there's, there are actually, there are a lot of different types of silicone. Um, and uh, really, it starts as as like a sand, as as silicon i mean that's one of the elements in it there's you know um hydrogen and carbon and oxygen that go into it um so there's some um sort of uh methane type molecule i mean we can get really molecular although <laughs> i can only get so molecular before i need to call in the father-in-law for <laughs> for reinforcement um but but food safe silicones have have um limits to the number of additives um and different chemicals that can be used in their production um and uh, to keep them food safe and also, um, you know, fairly strict uh, temperature limits within which it's recommended to use them because after that they'll start to, um, to decompose. Um, and, uh, and that happens on a, a fairly sliding scale. And again, with food safe silicones, when that decomposition process starts, it's really not giving off noxious fumes or anything like that, but, um, but it will start to, you know, to discolor. That's a uh, 986 degrees Fahrenheit. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that is a pile of silicone dust yeah. is what you've got. <laughs> well, I mean, let's um, talk about but, two other numbers, 464 and okay, 550. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it's interesting. Of This has been... Um, it's been a bit of a dilemma for, uh, I guess, Samantha the marketer versus Samantha the the science person um uh insofar as there's and and again starting all of this not knowing all of that much about these materials but but really digging deep into it and learning as much as i could in the process and becoming something of an expert uh over the course of that experience um 
there's a lot of misinformation out there about uh, the heat resistance of food safe silicones. And I, ha- and I have to qualify that by saying food-safe silicones because in, if you're looking at non-food-safe silicones, I mean, it's the, it's the O-rings that bind, um, and this is going back to our nerdy science stuff, <laughs> you know, the, the solid rocket boosters together. I mean, really, there are some silicones that can go really, really high and very, very low. Um, but in the food-safe category, um, generally speaking, you'll start to see decomposition um, around the, say, 500, 525, 550 degree Fahrenheit mark. Um, and, and what that means from, uh, from a, um, I guess, a practical standpoint in your kitchen is that you'll start to see it discolor. Um, and, and one of the things that was very difficult for me as a marketer to wrap my head around was in speaking to um, the factories and the experts about the materials that we were using, I wanted obviously the best silicone available. And I was seeing claims on other spatulas and other silicone kitchen tools that went much, much higher than that, say, 550 degree Fahrenheit or even more conservatively, the mid 400s Fahrenheit range. Um, And I couldn't figure out why. Uh, And uh, eventually I, I came to the conclusion that uh, they were they were basically citing results of a test that was conducted in inert atmosphere. So in an inert atmosphere, when there's no it's oxygen involved, you can really get the the silicone to go much higher without starting that decomposition product uh, process, which is measured um, in in um, lab tests um, by uh, gauging the amount of of weight mass that the object loses as it's subjected to these temperature stresses. Um, and once it starts to lose mass, obviously something is escaping in the, probably in the form of a gas and eventually you'll have that pile of dust. Um, so, uh, all that is to say that when we went about, um, marketing, the gear spatulas and coming up with a number that we felt comfortable telling people, push this to the limit. You can leave it on the stove, turn around, walk away, chop another vegetable, come back to it. And when you pick it up, you will not burn your hand. The number that I was comfortable with putting on the label was 464 Fahrenheit, which is 240 Celsius. And if you keep it within that range, the spatula will last forever. And that kind of goes to that sliding scale. It's just, it's not like at 550 degrees Fahrenheit, it just goes poof and it disappears. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really all, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of elements that are um, uh, involved there, whether it's the, I mean, it's the cooking conditions and the exact conditions of production and whether or not one chemical is um, slightly more present than another. Um, but, uh, but the companies that are out there that are claiming uh, heat resistance to temperatures like 600, 650, and I've even seen, and this is at a very large uh um, quality food uh, and kitchenware store that will not be named. I've seen their house branded spatula claim 800 degrees Fahrenheit, which is just completely impossible. I mean, how often are you cooking 800 degrees Fahrenheit? Well, never because <laughs> because peanut oil will smoke at like 450. So really, 464 is all you'd ever need. Yeah, which is what we which is what we say. And why would you um, be dunking this pastor in peanut oil anyway? I mean, you never really unless it's Thanksgiving and you're doing yeah. that turkey thing from <laughs> from 10 years ago. Um, do people still deep fry turkeys? Oh. Maybe they really do. Oh, they do. Maybe they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. we won't try to ostracize that okay, part of the enough, community just yet. <laughs> but I mean, 
this is part of why you give a lifetime guarantee and you say yes. things it's, it's dishwasher safe it's mm-hmm. you know hygienic it's hypoallergenic i mean these aren't just buzzwords these are realities to your product they're realities to the product and they're very near and dear to my heart and they were very important to me in uh in its creation process i didn't want to put something out there especially didn't want to put something out there that we called get it right um if it if it didn't qualify if it didn't meet all of those quality standards and and um uh you know the 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 danger uh, the beauty of get it right is that it's such i i love it as a name for our company and as a mission and it so encapsulates what we're about um but if we get it wrong, then we're just a punchline. <laughs> so we can't do anything wrong ever. <laughs> You've obviously gotten the spatter right. Thank I mean, you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, we, we have a pile of them in front of us. They come in, what, three different sizes? Four um, different sizes. Four different mm-hmm. sizes. I mean, they're such a fun collection, too, because of all the, you know, Pantones that you have in, in, yeah. in, in the collection itself. Um, but you've explored a couple other tools. I know when you were doing your yeah. Kickstarter campaign, mm-hmm. there were those rewards. I mean, there was a scraper, there was a spoon, so wh- and a flipper. Yeah. What, what's in the pantry now? So, so those three products are well underway, um, and we've we've gotten a couple of prototypes. We're going back and forth with them, and and you know, part of our process is just this extremely intensive. Um, uh, focus on on the design, and we'll prototype it. Uh, we actually we order prototypes from Shapeways and just get them in hard plastic and start to feel if the you know if the look and feel of it is right then we move on to a, a silicone version um, and then there's a lot of interplay between the amount of silicone used in the blade um, and sort of I guess the roundness of of the blade the bulbousness of that blade um, and uh, and the uh, inner core that's inside and that has a lot to do with how flexible it will be or how stiff. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we spend a ton of time trying to figure out what that ideal balance is and, and the interplay between those two things. Um, so these, they're, the four spatulas that we have in front of us are sort of perfect in my mind. But I've had some people say they're too flexible and some people say they're oh, too stiff. Like said, and a lot of people say they're perfect. So <laughs> It depends on conditions, too. So what do you yeah. do to test them? I mean, do you just say, I'm going to make eggs today, Anna? Or I'm going to make... You know, dipping hot peanut oil. That like. is exactly, or I'll, st- you know, I've, uh, we had a, um, but stuck uh, the lighter colors in, um, boiling tomato sauce for hours and hours and hours. I'm, I mean, some of it becomes like this very, um, <coughs> you know, rigorous, but non-scientific experimentation yeah. of like, well, what can I do to this thing today? And, um, you know, how, uh, how hard can I rub it against the blade of, of my blender before it gets cut? And, the answer is please don't rub it too hard. <laughs> it's still. Soft oh, yeah, it might always get stuck but, in there, and since it's a two-part mm-hmm. system, you know that top falls off, and yeah. you pull out a wooden yeah. handle, and then you have to and go you dig have your to go hand dig in for there. The blade. And it's cut a good thing hand. you still have five yeah. fingers. I've been counting them. Um, so uh, you know, and then we had this interesting experience of um, the the word spatula, um, and this goes back to the English major thing. Uh, it means it means a lot to a lot of different people. For some people, it means a flipper, and for some people, it means the baking spatula that you see in front of you. Um, but uh, we've had some people 
write in and say, you know, this isn't very good at flipping things. I'm like, hold the phone. <laughs> Don't try to flip anything with it, but we're making that for you. So the flip is going to come out in a couple of months here. Um, and we're, uh, we're, we went back to the drawing board with it a little bit. We had uh, a design in our hands that felt a little too normal. Um, even though we want things to feel pretty normal, we felt with the flip um, we needed a little bit more of an aggressive form factor and we wanted to give it more surface area. So there's lots of questions like that for us. You know, how big of a pan- pancake can you flip with this flip? Um, like Uncle Buck style. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before it's too big and you realize, well, this isn't that great for flipping a quail egg or whatever <laughs> it is. So, again, rigorous but non-scientific yeah, testing. Yeah. I just realized that's my second 80s movie. I quote UHF and Uncle Buck. Keep, keep yeah, going. We see can how many be here more all day. <laughs> but I want to go back to recipes because okay. there, there have to be, I know you supply some recipes on your site mm-hmm, actually too, mm-hmm. but there have to be some that are near and dear to your heart that you use your tools for. All the time, yeah. What are those? So uh, I've actually, oddly enough, um, received a request from my mom and my brother to remove this recipe from our <laughs> website. But uh, there's a cookie called the Raspberry Tort Cookie. Uh, it's incidentally a vegan cookie. Um, it's sweetened with maple syrup. Um, it's made from almond flour and sprouted wheat flour. Um, and it's got a little th- a raspberry jam thumbprint in the middle. And it's uh, it's a cookie that I've been eating I mean, I think my mom's been making it since forever. Um, she made a batch on the day that my son was born. <laughs> she probably made a batch on the day that I was born, for all I know. She's making um, a batch listen to the show. Exactly, right exactly. Um, so uh, that is my favorite thing to make no matter what or when I'm making it with. And and the dough is pretty thick. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's ground almonds. It's home ground almonds. So... Um, it tends to be a spatula destroyer <laughs> and there's some there's some oil in the in the batter as well of course um and uh if you can't dishwash that spatula at the end of it it's just impossible to clean so um really one of the things that one of the recipes that i had in mind in making the spatula was these raspberry tort cookies um and i have to say those are my favorite things to cook with the spatula yeah yeah, yeah. well i want to talk about how people can purchase them um because i believe sure. i've seen them at jb prince they are they're at jb prince um that jb prince was actually the very first store to carry them to our great delight um and they're in a, a few other small specialty shops um I have to say some of the purchase stuff is just is a work in progress. Um, and uh, we're really excited to get into bigger stores. And, and that's kind of, at the moment, the other half of my job, in addition to yeah. new product development, is really, <laughs> is really just to get us into a store. But um, product of G-I-R, productofgear.com, uh, they're available there and, and uh, obviously as well on Amazon yeah. because that's where you can get any. If it doesn't ex- <laughs> exist on Amazon, it doesn't exist Even at all. Even things that don't exist are on Amazon <laughs> exactly. already. But I want to talk about the industry um, purchase program. Okay. Because, you know, y- you say spatula. And am I, am I saying that correctly? I mean, you can correct me, English major. Spatula. 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 Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, this isn't just a you know, home kitchen tool. You want to get this in kitchens around the world and in industrial kitchens and, in, in, you know, uh, culinary focused kitchens and restaurants. I do very, very badly. Um, and, 
so we've we've done a couple of things with with that in mind. Um, the first of which is just you know going back to the design in the first place. Um, as I was making it, I thought you know this is this is perfect for restaurant kitchens because it's so indestructible. I mean, it really is indestructible unless you do that blender thing that we were talking about. <laughs> um, but other than that, uh, I mean, it stands up to you know thousands of dishwasher cycles. Another rigorous but non scientific test that I ran myself. Um, and uh, and then um, more specifically, what we've done is we've developed a pro size which we also have in front of us right now. Um, and it's about 15 inches long. It's got a broader, wider blade, um, slightly more flexible than the ultimate size, I think, sort of proportionally. Um, and I made it for restaurant kitchens, professional chefs, wannabe professional chefs, um, people who were really making very large batches of things and um, wanted uh, you know, a spatula that would stand the, the test of time under um, pretty intense use conditions um, and, uh, and also be just large enough to feel at home in a professional kitchen. Yeah. And see, I'm not going to knock my in-laws or my wife at all, but you know, sometimes in stocking stuffers, mm-hmm. you get quirky kitchen tools. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they work, and they're great, and you have a lot of fun with them, but this has both that feeling of fun quirkiness, mm-hmm. but like seriously but serious technical. Fun yeah. quirkiness, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, a lot of the personality of them shines through in, in the colors and, um, and uh, in the voice that we've... Uh, given the spatula and the personality that we've given the spatula, which I have to admit is largely just my personality, but <laughs> personified in silicone. Um, and uh, How often have you been able to say personified in silicone? You know, it's the first time, but I don't think it's going to be the <laughs> <Yeah>. last. <laughs> um, you know, and it, and at the same time, as, you know, as fun and as happy as they are, I mean, they're very happy tools. They feel happy to me. They're, I think they're happy to be here with us in the world. Um, but uh, you can really put them to work. Um, and uh, and this actually goes back to, to something I was going to mention um, before, uh, before I went on my digression of, of how they all started. But the, the very first spatula that I have that I got from the factory um, I still have today. It's the one that I use. It's red, and it's in my drawer, and I've used it every day that I've cooked, which is almost every day since getting it a year and a half ago, and it looks exactly the same today as it did the day that I got it. So, again, to the indestructibility and the, and the sort of the seriousness of them, um, you know, they really will hold up to the test of time. Yeah. Well, at least you get to say you got something right. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can't wait That's to see for. <laughs> what future products you have coming out. Again, you, it's product of gear G I R. That's correct. Dot yeah. com. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Get in your kitchen and be as excited as I am to have these spatches in front of me. You've been listening to the food scene on Heritage Radio Network dot org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at three. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.